Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 133. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I've been home longer than the blink of an eye, so I've, I've had time to settle in. I've got my you-know-nothing John Snow mug filled with some, some, some berry tea. Uh, I'm in my, my, my jammies. It's great. I, I'm, I'm comfy. I'm tired as all hell, but I'm comfy. Unlike you, who just, I can see you're still wearing your work clothes. Like you just came right in the door. This is correct. I got home at maybe, we record every Wednesday at nine, peek behind the curtain. I got home about 8.45. <laughs> and it's not because of New York traffic necessarily, no, right? No, no, it's not. I had, I had an after, part of it was I had a dinner meeting, but it was just a very long day and I am ready to just forget about the nonsense that happens in the workplace sometimes and talk about the Islanders where the nonsense tends to happen on the ice but it's my escape I can get out I could get out from under this for a little bit so I am ready to talk some New York Islanders hockey Mitch do you have an addition for us I do so it's the 133rd episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast and I'm going with Felix Potve who played 33 games for the New York Islanders Felix Potve. Perfect. So we will get into that later, but we will start by talking about the games, Mitch. And, uh, well, not pretty. Not something that we're going to want to talk a whole lot about. Obviously, you have last night's disaster. You have uh, the disaster that was the game against the Bruins. And then an overtime loss mixed in to the St. Louis Blues. It hasn't been good for the New York Islanders this week. So we'll, we'll go over this briefly uh, every game, but if you want our, our full comments, a full 25 to 30 minutes of us just going at it uh, on these games, uh, sign up to the patrons, patron.com slash eyes on aisles. It's five bucks a month. You get a post-game podcast after every show. You get a weekly newsletter. You get a weekly mailbag show, which we will record after this episode, uh, as well as daily other polls and opinion pieces that just try to get you more engaged uh you and the other patrons so that's patreon.com slash eyes on aisles absolutely uh, it was a garbage week this week matt of like just three two loss to the blues already like they're terrible on the road this month right like they've won once on the road in the month sorry this month the month of february they won once on the road yeah can't, can't have that happen you can't have that no happen. you gotta you gotta be better than that and when you blow a two nothing lead against St. Louis, that's extremely frustrating. Yeah, it was really bad. Like we've seen the, the Islanders do the opposite, so it feels bad when the it's the the shoes on the other foot. And that's exactly what happened against the Blues, right? Like we go up two nothing in the first, mind you, right? Like we go up two nothing sixteen and a half minutes into the first period and you're saying, done, this is gonna be amazing. No, they claw the way back with Shen scoring and then Dunn scoring eighteen minutes and eighteen seconds into the third. 
You ha- we had it. We had it, and we blew it, and then we lose in overtime. Ridiculous. Yeah. That on Saturday, Mitch, this is when things start to get even worse. So Butch Goring gets his number retired. I thought, all right, you know, tough loss against St. Louis. You come out against a really good team. You're going to be motivated, wearing the white jersey. Everyone's wearing 91 in warm-ups. It's going to be okay. Well, Mitch, it was not okay. They let in two extremely fluky goals and then shut down. Yeah, they, they but even then, it's not like they even had played well up until those True. fluky goals. Right, they were garbage from the start. Those fluky goals were just a symptom of, of what we were seeing on the ice. Just someone throwing up constantly. Oh, they scored. Well, that's the result of what happens when you throw up on the ice. It was absolutely ridiculous. They they weren't engaged, which seems ridiculous because, like you just said, they had that the banner raising ceremony for Butch Goring. That's when you get all hyped up. Wait, he didn't talk enough about the players on the bench. He sure did. He spent like ten minutes doing that. And they still couldn't get up for the game. They lost the game, like Barry Trot says, in the first 10 minutes. How the hell do you do that? That's ridiculous. I don't know. The Islanders, obviously, they don't match up well against Boston. This is not new information, but another 4 nothing loss, another shutout. It was just a truly embarrassing effort on Saturday. Right. That was the third shutout this month. Like Again, this, I, I mean, February. Third shutout in the month of February. Just the Islanders are being, it, it's a train wreck right now. It's really, really, it's completely off the rails. And if not for some of the other bad teams in the Metro right now, uh, they'd probably be out of a playoff spot. Absolutely. And then they follow that up with a truly embarrassing effort against the Montreal Canadiens. So before you could really settle in here, after the first period, it was three zip. Game was pretty much over at that point. I don't know about you. I did not have any confidence that the Islanders were going to be able to score three goals to tie this game to even force overtime. Usually I try to have some sort of positive energy going into it, but you're right. Like After that first, I was just like, well, this is no way. It's, it's hard to see them scoring one, let alone four. I have faith they can score something, but I really don't have any faith that they can turn this one around. Not only because it's just the Islanders, but just because specifically in that game and then the game before it, they were terrible. They were second to pucks. There was no commitment. There was no energy. They were just flatlined. Just boop between the game in, in Boston and, and against Montreal. Just absolute garbage. Yeah, no, they truly were. And they would go on to lose that game 6-2. to two. And, <laughs> I mean, Grice gets pulled. There were defensive lapses. The two goals they scored, the first one was the easiest goal Brock Nelson probably had in his entire career. Kyrie Price, I'm not sure what he's doing, just turns the puck over and essentially gives it to Brock Nelson in front of an empty net. And then the Ryan Pulak goal was a 5-on-3, No. That's correct. It was yeah. a 5 on So three. if you don't score on a 5 on 3, you might as well just pack it in for the day. <laughs> so they scored two goals in the most unconvincing way possible when the game was already out of hand. So back-to-back awful efforts from the New York Islanders who are really struggling at the absolute worst time because you I mean yeah, the other you mentioned other teams in the metro struggling, but when you're riding down the stretch about to end your season, you want to hit your hot streak. You want to carry momentum into the playoffs, like what Jordan Eberle did at the end of last year. He was ice cold. March came. He caught fire, was great down the stretch, had a great first-round playoff series. You want to do that as a team. They have they, they inversed it. They were phenomenal at the start of the year, came out of the gate, it's almost like a runner who like is trying to run a marathon and is running at like a six minute pace for like the first six miles and then is toasted by mile like eighteen. Yeah, it's exactly right. They they came out, they spent all of their energy, and now they're going, oh, oh wait, we still have like two months to go. Oh God, no. Uh, I don't know what because the defense is bad, the offense is bad as it's been for a while now. The goaltending is now bad. Uh, it's just everything is falling. They're getting out PDO'd. Just everything is falling apart. With the PDO thing, I bring them specifically because if we're looking for any sort of hope, like there, there's a reason. Well, not no reason, but there's there's something that suggested that they could trend back upwards, back towards the 100. Like they're really not getting. Their shooting is their shooting percentage is low, and obviously their save percentage is low. Like that's going to change. So maybe we start seeing some results. 
but they head down to the, they head out to the road for most of the month of March. It's not going to be good. It, this is not what, what they need right now. They need to be at home more frequently, and they're not going to get it. They're specifically, they're going out to Western Canada. They're awful in Western road trips. Terrible. Yeah, East Coast teams going over to the West Coast usually doesn't go too well. I mean, we saw what happened earlier in the year when the Islanders went on their West Coast trip. It was disastrous, and uh, it's it's like we said, it, it's not good when you are fighting for playoff positioning and you have essentially seven of eight teams in the Metropolitan very much in the mix. Yes. Thankfully, they head to Ottawa on Thursday, uh, where more on them later, it's, it's again, completely imploding upon them. Yes. What a dire fire. Thank God for Ottawa. But <laughs> You're welcome. We just wanted to get you some context for what we're going to be talking about. Go over the games briefly. Plug the Patreon. Like Mitch said, each one of those games right after. Well, we do a post-game article. Put that on the site. Then we're recording an episode. A full 25, 30, sometimes even longer than 30 minutes if it calls for it on, on a game. And we just kind of vent it out. Talk about winners and losers. Who played well. Who didn't. And all that fun stuff. So definitely want to check that out. Eyes on uh, Patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. So... With that, we kind of hinted at it a little bit in this segment. Let's talk about the Metropolitan Division, how it's a super tight race and everything like that, and just overlooking everything. So it, it was super tight before the last couple of weeks, but it, it, it's gotten a little bit more interesting recently because a lot of these teams that were on fire have dropped off, including the Islanders, obviously. Right. Like Pittsburgh is... Uh, one for sorry, one of the sorry, they're one six and zero over the last seven games, four six and zero over the last ten. Uh, Columbus is two four and four over the last ten. Carolina four four and two, and the Rangers, who are red hot, like they won seven in a row, I think it was, yep. are now six four and zero. They've lost three in a row. So it, they all these these teams. So that's the the Penguins, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, the Hurricanes, the Rangers, are all within. How many points are we looking at? Six points, I think it is. Eight, sorry, eight, eight. between the Rangers and the, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. That that's the the spread here. That's not very big, and they're all kind of flatlined. So if one team could just kind of pick it up, they could start moving ahead, like the Philadelphia Flyers, who've won six in a row. They're now second in the division, you know, just three points behind the Washington Capitals. It, it, there's spots to be sorry not spots but there's a place to be gained in terms of third in the metropolitan division if one team looking at you islanders can figure their stuff out because other teams have started flatlining um but unfortunately we've we've seen with the islanders they haven't really figured it out yet no i mean kudos to philadelphia like you said they've been red hot eight eight two and oh in their last 10 winners of six straight I think they cool off. I think they're going to cool off a little bit, but they've been they've taken advantage. I mean, they've climbed up the standings. They've leapfrogged teams like the Islanders, like Pittsburgh, and they are pushing Washington right now. Who, I mean, they're under five hundred in their last ten. They're four, five, and one. Do they catch Washington? I'd assume probably not, but at least they are taking advantage of the other teams who are a little beat up and struggling at the moment. Right, and for us, the, the scare is that, well, sure, we're not playing well, and the other teams around us aren't playing well either, but that means that we're not uh, we're not creating a gap with teams below us who are trying to get into the playoff picture. Like, the Islanders have 78 points. They're three points up on Carolina, who is the first team outside of a wild card spot, and four at, uh, ahead of the Rangers. That's not a lot, and they don't have games, or they have one game in hand on uh, the Rangers. That's it. Whereas Carolina has a game in hand on them, so like the, there's there's a lot of movement that can happen here, and the Islanders aren't doing enough to create a gap. Whereas an opportunity presented itself at least recently with a lot of these teams not playing well, and now you're sitting here with four teams just vying for two spots, and it's not looking good. No, no, it's really not at all. And I mean, if you look, we looked at the the records of the last ten. The Islanders have been the worst of those teams at two six and two in their last 10. That's just frankly not good enough. No, uh, there was something on The Athletic just today, and, I, and I'm trying to stall a little bit with my language here because I'm trying to bring it up, um, but it was Dom Lushizen, I probably massacred that name, uh, who wrote about the strength of schedule and specifically for, for most teams, but he also, he did it for everyone, like I just said. But the one that I'm, uh, that I'm concerned with is uh, the obviously the uh, Metropolitan Division, where there are a few teams that have their strength of schedule 
is very disadvantageous to them, like the Columbus Blue Jackets and even the Carolina Hurricanes. They have a very strong remaining schedule, uh, which which could see them drop a few more points, whereas the Islanders have an advantageous schedule going forward where they could start picking up points because they're playing teams you know below them or not playoff playoff bound teams. Right. So may, maybe the window is opening for the Islanders to create a little bit of distance here. Well, it better be. They don't have much of a choice. They better be. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yes. Um, But that's the thing. The window is there or the door is there. Whatever metaphor you want to use, it is there. They just have to walk through it or walk to it or or do whatever the hell they're supposed to do to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, So far, they're not. And it's not looking like they're going to be even able to because just nothing is working right now. No, just everything from top to bottom isn't working. I mean, we mentioned their offensive struggles. That's a given. Thomas Grice is unplayable right now. He has a that's eight, true. He has an eight fifteen save percentage in his last six starts. That that's not good enough. It's not. <laughs> that's very much not good enough. No. And defensively, oh, I mean, they haven't been the same since Adam Pellick went down. But over the last few games, they've been brutally bad. Yeah, that's true. I, like everything is sorry. Nothing is working. The, the, the power play scored the other day at five on three. Like you said, you, you should be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, even that, I don't think Carey Price really tried that hard for that one. Like, but if he did, whatever. Um, I just, I worry because the fix isn't there. Like we, we even see fans turning on Barry Trotz, like calling for Barry Trotz's job. That's ridiculous. Which is insane. Like th- this is not on Barry. This is not Barry. Look at, look at what he has to work with. And and you tell me that he can turn this into, I don't know, another 100-point season again. He's not far off, mind you. He's not far off. But if you're expecting this this guy to turn a championship caliber a caliber team from what he's got, like, it's just not there. There's It's close. It's just missing a little bit in yeah. terms of, like, high-end quality. Right. But, I mean, even with 78 points in 65 games, I mean, he's on what? How many? What's their point pace? Uh, depends on if you include regression metrics. I think some some the athletic have them at like ninety six point seven or something like that. They if everything goes the same, they have seventy eight and sixty five. That pace over eighty two is ninety eight points. Right. So that seems that's a good season. It's not a hundred points, but you're a win away from a hundred points. And at that point, like it's almost semantical at that. Like really, yeah, it, whatever. It's solid. It's definitely a solid year. Oh, absolutely. Um, but they have to take advantage of the opportunity that's being presented to themselves right now, uh, where teams around them are falling off. Like Columbus, Carolina are having a hard time, even though they made big moves. Well, Carolina did anyways. Rangers are falling off, but that was almost to be expected. At least that's a little bit less pressure. Uh, and, and then Pittsburgh has fallen off. Like th- that, that gets you into a position where you don't have to play like Boston in round one. Right. Sorry, no, they would play Washington. Sorry, at, at the moment. Right, but if you surpass Pittsburgh, then you're looking at a potential matchup against Philadelphia in the first round. Yeah, and, and they're much better suited playing against the Philadelphia Flyers than they are, say, the Washington Capitals over a full series. I would agree with that for sure. Or, or God forbid they fall into the, the second wild card spot and they have to play Boston. No, that would be a gentleman sweep at best five games. <laughs> oh, man, that would not end well. Uh, or may not end well, but uh, with a 22-3-9 home record, you have to imagine the positive would do very well in that series. Yeah, I would imagine so. But I just think it was important for us to talk about the Metropolitan and give context to how close this thing really is and how nothing is guaranteed for this team. No, there, there's whatever leeway they built up or, 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 or um, gap that they built up with that 17-point streak, 17-game point streak, it's very much gone. Like, yeah. they're they're burning fat at this point. They have no more fat reserves, and they're, they're or what do we, what's the, how does the body metabolize sugar? I don't know, man. I, this is not a math or science podcast. You're asking no. the wrong guy. <laughs> so, smarter people out there, think of that. They're burning their reserves of something. That, they're done. God, move. Next, next. All right, so Mitch, <laughs> when we come back, we are going to get into an old friend of the show who's in a new place and thriving. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. We're talking New York Islanders hockey, and we're going to talk about the lightning rod. You know who he is. You either love him or you hate him. There's no in-between, Mitch. His name is Josh Hosang, and he is... Still the Islanders' property, but not playing for the Islanders or the Sound Tigers, which 
Still not quite understanding how that works. I don't understand it. But nonetheless, he's in San Antonio. Well, the, the, how it works is quite easy because the Islanders can do whatever the hell they want with their players. Uh, there's a few caveats. Like, can they stay in North America or are they staying in North America? Are they not going to the ECHL against their consent? And, and there's a third one that I wrote on the Patreon newsletter that I immediately forget because my memory is not very good uh, unless it's right in front of my face. Um, but but you, you do, if you, you know, check on all those three things, you can send your player anywhere in the AHL. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's just the affiliate is just that's that's your guy. That's your team. That's usually where you would send your players. And the Islanders are like, we don't want you around no more. Joshua saying, get the hell out of town. We're sending you to San Antonio. Why? I he made some comments recently um, to of, of course Arthur Staple. Uh, he, he spoke to him about how uh, he didn't ask for a trade this time around. He asked for a trade last year. Because uh, he didn't want to play with in Bridgeport anymore, um, and so he he being Lou finally uh, accepted that because he did not accept it last trade deadline. He finally accepted it now. Now being at the start of this season after Joshua saying did not make camp and asked him not to report for that. And I don't think Lou really took kindly to Joshua saying putting that out there in the ether. Okay, all right. This is pure speculation on my behalf. So take it as that, but that that tracks with with Lou Lamarill. He likes his not cone of silence, but kind of like iron curtain of. I don't know if that's the proper term, but it, yeah, I think you understand the picture I'm trying to to portray here. Just like he likes to keep things in, inside, and he doesn't like things getting out. Uh, and and if they do get out, there's a little bit of you know a slap on the wrist. And Joshua saying has already had a few slaps on the wrist, where now it's kind of like three strikes and you're out. I got well. He- he has three points in three games in San Antonio. He scored a goal in his first game there. <laughs> um, but like this is also this is best case scenario for the Islanders even because yes he's no longer in Bridgeport but he's still part of their team. And if there's anything we know about Lou Lamarillo is that you can burn me once, you can burn me twice, but doesn't mean that if you're a good player, I'm not going to take advantage of that situation. So what do you think? What do you think that means then? Well, for for now, I think he's he's in the shop window. He's doing what he needs to do, uh, and the Islanders obviously still retain his services. And if some uh, some team, let's say the Blues, because that's who um, that's the affiliates or the NHL affiliate to the San Antonio Rampage, come calling, say, "Look, we're interested in your boy. What do you want for him?" Uh, then that's an advantageous situation for the New York Islanders because they turned Joshua Sang into something because he was tar- he was nothing for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm the. I'm beating a dead horse here. I know a lot of people are going to be mad at me on this podcast, but it's really tough for me to sit here and accept that when guys like Michael Dalcole are getting run out every night with little consequence. Oh, you, look, preaching to the choir, obviously. Um, but Matt, Mike, Michael Dalcole is a good defensive player. Then why doesn't he <laughs> play on the penalty kill? I don't know. That's, that, that's the folly of that argument right away. Just poke, hole, poke, hole, 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 hole. It's holier than Swiss cheese on Sunday. I, I'm, just, I'm frustrated. I have been frustrated for a long time with this. I don't think that Josh Hosang is squeaky clean. I think that there were some bumps in the road. But it's almost like the Islanders clearly have some issues, and they are playing some forwards who don't deserve to be in the NHL. And it's like they're just like covering their eyes and be like, I'm not looking at the guy who could potentially do help our team. I'm not looking. Nope, we're not trying to do this with Josh Hosang again. Um, I don't know. You you don't think he would be any better than what Del Cole has been on this third line? Oh, I 1,000% think he would be. Absolutely. Not only that, he's a right shot. Guess what? We need right shots. We don't have enough of them. Why not bring it? Like, it doesn't make any sense to not. And, and I understand the criticism. Like, he's not uh, playing the way the Islanders want him to play. Well, guess what? They got guys in the NHL doing that right now. That's the exact criticism that Barry Trotz had. We have guys that aren't playing the way we want them to play. Those are the exact words he used in the postgame conference after the Montreal Canadiens loss. So don't tell me that Joshua Sang wouldn't do it because he doesn't play the Islanders way. There are guys now with Islanders jerseys not playing the Islanders way. So can it? The hypothetical person talking to me in my own house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head here because 
Yeah, he does. He quote doesn't play how the Islanders play, but he hasn't really gotten a shot. He's gotten ten games in the past two years under Barry Trotz. Like he doesn't play defense. No one is. No one's playing defense. It seems that Adam Pellick is the only one who's playing any defense, and maybe Casey Zizekas, the only players who play defense on the Islanders. It seems. And the other argument I think would be that he doesn't score goals, which is which is true to an extent, but you don't think. Well, I know that you think so. I'm just saying that you don't think yeah. are, are all hypothetical. But you don't think that he could be able to revive something out of Derek Broussard? I mean, he damn near did it with uh, Andrew Ladd. And he also kind of... He made Brock Nelson watchable two years ago. Yeah, it, like, th- there is something to be said about um, the scores that we do have aren't getting in the proper position. And so you can get as many playmakers as you want. If the scorers aren't in position, then there, there's no goals to be had. But there's also something to be said about when the scorers are in position, no one's getting them the puck. And so they're not able to convert those goals because no one's getting them the puck. Joshua Sang would do that. And it's not to say like you bring Joshua Sang, he changes the offense totally. Paradigm shift happens for the Islanders with Joshua Sang on the roster. It just seems that if we were looking for answers... Like it just seems like why not give it a shot? What do you have to lose by trudging out Ross Johnson and Matt Martin on the same roster? No, that that's unacceptable. And that's the thing is this is a desperate team. They're desperate right now because they're essentially in a free fall. Yes, they're right. They're in the first wild card spot right now, but it's close. We just talked about the Metropolitan standings. It's a tight race, and they could use. Any spark, and we already saw a spark. Granted, it was at this point three years ago in 2016-17, but when he came up that first time, he sparked that offense, especially when Tavares went down. He was the catalyst for the last few games, and he was playing with Thomas Hickey on the wing. (laughs) That's right, Thomas Hickey was playing on the wing. Unbelievable. Um, But I, I think at a certain point, it's just... He's been painted with a certain brush, and there's there's the, the stink is there, and it's just whatever you do, it's not going away. Just like when like someone gets wrongfully convicted, right? Like they go to jail for something, they're still branded as that person who did that thing, even though the law said, "No, no, no, guys, we got it wrong. Don't worry about it. Just forget that. Just just forget it." You don't forget it. You just don't forget it at all. It's always there. That preconceived notion of a person won't move, and that person's going to have a hard time convincing you otherwise. And that's what we're seeing with Joshua saying, I feel. Yeah, you're 100% right. I think that's exactly the case. Part of me is glad that he's playing well in San Antonio. I mean, he seems happy. Yes, he's still owned by the Islanders, but I'm just, it's hard for me not to be frustrated at the same time. Yeah, like, think about it. Like, let's say you're at your job. And your boss is like, I don't like the particular way you do how you do things. I'd rather you do them this way. And you're going, well, that doesn't make any sense. I think this is the best way for me to do things based off of my skill set. And like, no, thanks. We're going to send you down to the mailroom. Thank you very much. And you're going like, but I'm, I'm, I'm better than, than working just in the mailroom. And if you're a mailroom worker, I'm sorry. I'm just, this is the first analogy I can think of. Um, I'm thinking of Elf right now where they send him down to the mailroom to yes. get him away from things. Yes, um, that was the first thing that came to mind. I don't know why Elf, but it's stuck in my head. Um, th- th- you get frustrated because at a certain point you're going, I can do more than, than this. And why? And, and you just ask and ask and ask and frustration and frustration builds at a certain point. Like something has to give. A- and this is what Gabe is that Lou is like, all right, you know what? Just go play somewhere else. Just get out of our hair. Go play somewhere else. And Josh was saying, yes, it's still AHL. First off, it's San Antonio. Like, it's a warmer, I guess. Um, but you get a, a, a metaphorical weight lifted off your shoulders. And it seems that he's playing weightless right now. And uh, good for him. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, I don't think the door's closed on Joshua saying. I think if they do decide to trade him, and I don't think it would be for much, it would not surprise me to see him in the NHL. I, no, this guy's an NHL caliber player. He's got... He definitely has an attitude issue, but it, it seems that like there are a few players in the NHL who have that, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It really isn't. Yes, it's a team sport, but you're still an individual in a team sport, and there's nothing wrong with being a little bit individualistic in this game. No, I, I, I think some people are afraid of the personality, and uh, I think it's time to get over that a little bit. 
Oh, it's absolutely. Uh, but they, they, they say that hockey players are, are the toughest players in, in the game. But bring in a guy who's got a bit of an, a chip on his shoulder and it's like, oh, we don't know what to do anymore. We don't like the guy with attitude. Please leave us alone. They become like the most fragile people in the world. I don't get it. You can play with a broken rib, uh, a dislocated knee, and like your jaw halfway through and down your throat, like Kanye West. And you're, you, but you could play a playoff game that way. But you bring in a guy with a little bit of an attitude, and you just fall apart. Come on, guys. Right, and obviously we don't know the whole story because we're not there in the locker room with these guys. But it seems something very minuscule to completely want to banish this person to San Antonio. I'm glad you said that. That's right. We don't have all the facts. None of us have all the facts. So obviously, like our understanding of the relationship is based off of a little bit of speculation uh, off of what we know. Um, so like if something comes to light where Joshua saying like, I hate you and you and you suck and you suck even more then OK. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Banish that guy. But if he's just kind of like, guys, I think I could play a better game this way. And like Brent Thompson's going, no, thou shall not play this way then, like, it doesn't make any sense. And is Brent Thompson really the one who should be making these decisions? I mean, this guy stinks. How is he still employed by this organization? I, I don't I don't know, man. He's, he seems like a really good defensive coach. I, I don't think he's he's great in terms of turning out forwards, um, but we'll see. Like, clearly Lou has a little bit of faith in him, and we'll see what he does with guys like Oliver Wallstrom and Simon Holmstrom, like that, and Kiefer Bellows even. Like, let's see what he can do with those guys. But so far, not so good. The return on, on these guys isn't great. Uh, and that's the future for the Islanders, specifically on the right side when you got Holmstrom and Wallstrom, both right-wing right players. Yeah, we'll see with with that um, for sure. But uh, I think it's important to talk about Joshua Sang as him going to San Antonio seemed to come out of the blue. It was definitely a surprise. I got duped uh, because when I saw Islanders, Joshua Sang, I was like, oh, Holy expletive. They called him up. That was my first thought. And then it was oh, banished to San Antonio. I'm sorry, man. I, I wish. I wish. That would have been great. Oh, man. They, they could use it. They could. Like, what are you guys doing here? Like, the lineup from yesterday at Comrov playing top six minutes. And then you put Cal Clutterbuck Cal. in. Yep. I'd rather have Cal Clutterbuck play with uh, Brock Nelson. That, yeah, well, that makes sense. Like we said in the, in the patron post game, like it's a Spider-Man meme in real life, just Islanders jerseys. Like it's the same player. Clutterbuck is, is marginally better than, than Komarov. I'll give him that much. But remember when he played top line minutes with John Tavares, how everyone laughed? Essentially the same thing. Like, it just it doesn't make any sense. You don't play these players in those positions. That's not what they're there for. You can say it's only for a couple of shifts, but... Just because you're swapping them out, you're, you're swapping out like likely parts. Like the same part is being swapped. It doesn't change anything. I'm with you. Anything else on Hosang? I, I wish him all the best. Uh, his time with the Islanders is done. Like you don't move a guy to another AHL team unless you're hashtag done with this kid. Um, but uh, hope, hopefully this isn't the end of him in the NHL at least. I'll, I'll follow his career in the NHL no matter where he plays. Absolutely. Same with me. Let's move to a happier note. News that everyone was looking forward to. The New York Islanders will be playing all, if any, if they make it, uh, <laughs> they make the playoffs, all their home games at the Nassau Coliseum. Only two games remain at the Barclays Center this year. And then next year, the entire home schedule will be played at the Coliseum in the final year before Belmont opens. Hallelujah, right? Like, oh, my God. This needed to happen like two years ago. Yes. Or however long they, they decided to go back to the calls. It was two years ago. That's, I got that right. Yeah, I mean, this is something that makes sense because, one, the two arena thing is just no one, no other team does that. Like, that's just something that no other team has to deal with. The Barclays Center didn't want the Islanders to be there anymore. The Islanders didn't want to be there anymore. It was like a shotgun wedding. It really was. And look, it served a purpose. I understand everyone's dunking on, on the Barclays Center. Uh, it, it definitely served a purpose. When, when the Islanders were looking at Nassau and had to leave, essentially, um, they were going, all right, well, where can we where can we play now and stay, quote unquote, on Long Island? I, I understand Brooklyn isn't technically part of Long Island, even though it is literally on Long Island. Yeah. Um, or in, would you say in if we're talking about Brooklyn? Because it forms part of the island, or you still no, say on? It's, it's on Long Island still. Okay, 
Right. Fair enough. But it doesn't count. The boroughs don't count. It's Nassau, Suffolk, Long Island. Right. Exactly. That. That. And that's why. Um. So I, I understand like why we don't like Brooklyn. Not only because of the, the poor sight lines, the off-centered scoreboard, the the contempt of us being there in the first place. Um. But it's it. It was necessary. It was a necessary evil, and we lived through it. We came out better, not for it, but almost because of it. Um, so, like, you kind of have to say, like, thank you, but uh, we're done here. Thanks. Yeah, I said that in the article that I wrote on my final thoughts on the, the Barclays Center experiment. Um, yes, like you said perfectly, they desperately needed a spot, and Barclays Center provided that in 2015. I just don't think they made a good effort to accommodate the Islanders after they decided that they were going to play there. Oh, that's unquestionable. That's, I, if anyone questions that, meet me outside because we got to talk. Yeah, uh, from, I mean, I know you're a fan of the black jerseys, but that was definitely something that overall fans did not care for. The god-awful goal horn that they tried to force down the Islanders' <laughs> throat. The very little, like, it didn't feel like it was an Islanders home arena. Everything is black. It looks more for the Brooklyn Nets, which is fine. That's their deal. The Brooklyn Nets, they're black and white, and they really represent that city. It kind of felt like the Islanders were just playing at a neutral site for their home games. Yeah, it really comes down to the, the contempt for the Islanders, like even down to the goal horn. I bet you when your Mark went and, and his cronies were trying to figure out what to do for the goal horn, they're like, why do we care about this? Just whatever horn you have, they don't, they're not going to care. Meanwhile, that we hear the first goal horn and we like throw our what the hell is this garbage? <laughs> Let's make and it. They go, a- Wait, what? You care about that stuff? Like they clearly had no idea yeah. what the, what they were inheriting in terms of New York Islanders fans or even just the franchise. They had no idea what right. the hell was going on there. Well, remember they the only banners they brought initially were the championship mm. banners. That was an issue too. That was a huge issue because, like, they, they clearly didn't do any research. They they thought they're not getting good uh, or great returns at the gate in Nassau, so clearly the fans don't care. So we'll just do whatever we can. We'll do the bare minimum, and they'll be happy about that. No. Meanwhile, we come in and we're like, guys, if you want us to like this, you have to make us want to be here. And by showing us just the championship banners, a black everywhere, a different goal horn, off-centered scoreboard, tell us to screw off when we can't see the ice. Uh, why Why would we want to come here? No, there was very little incentive. And for I, I know there are fans in the boroughs and in New Jersey and stuff like that who benefited from the games being in Brooklyn versus on Long Island. But for a large, large section of Islanders fans, it was a pain in the butt to get there. And as someone who lives not only in Nassau County, but even on the western side of Nassau County, Still not the easiest for me. It's a long time after the game ends from there, the final whistle, to getting home between transferring and taking multiple trains. It takes a while. Whereas the Coliseum, from the time the final whistle stops to when I put the key in my front door to get home, talking about 30 minutes, <laughs> like that, that's nothing. Yeah, so imagine all the people in like, Eastern Suffolk County, right? I, I couldn't imagine. That would it'd be two and a half hours. Easy. And so the, the there's the disadvantage or the, uh, yeah, it's a dis, no, oh God, I keep, I keep, I'm going to say the disadvantage, but like essentially you're looking at it going like disincentive. There it is uh, to go to games where you think I can go to an Islanders game. I have a, a day free. It's going to take me a full day to get there and back. No, I'm done. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And so like people just didn't really go. The, the, the gate receipts were fine for Brooklyn, but they yeah. weren't what, what obviously they were expecting because within like, what is it, six months, there are rumors of like the Barclays centers wanted to kick them out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right. And in that first year when they made the playoffs and even in the playoff series, you know, last year against Carolina, I mean, in the big games, the, the fans are going to make the trip out there. That That's understandable. And the atmosphere was pretty solid for, you know, in those series, but it's not, it was never the same. It was never going to be the same. And obviously the, the end all be all here is that the Islanders are getting a state of the art arena. And I think we realize that Nassau isn't a permanent solution, but from the organization's perspective, from the player's perspective and from the fans perspective, it's the preferred location. So this made so much sense. 
there, there's very little downfall to playing games in Nassau uh, or at the Nassau Coliseum or NYCB Live. I, I can't think. Of, I can't think of the whole full name, but um, there's very little downside. Uh, gate receipts is one of them. Like you can't put the same number of butts and seats as you could in Brooklyn. Uh, luxury boxes is an issue because obviously Brooklyn has more than 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 the Nassau Coliseum does. Uh, but in terms of the health of the franchise, this was this was a must. You couldn't keep going to Brooklyn. Like you could, but that that takes a toll on on the franchise and in and, and of itself. It manifests itself on the ice when you have a disgruntled fan base. It inevitably comes. It manifests itself on the ice itself. And, and to mitigate that, clearly ownership in terms of Ledecky and Malkin wanted to avoid that and say like, no, we have to play games at the Coliseum if we want these people to show up when we open Belmont. And if we want these people in the right frame of mind when we open Belmont, we have to have win after win after win if we want a solid launch for Belmont. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's going to carry a lot of momentum. It's going to bring fan interest in. Like You're going to get the more casual fans who'd be more willing to go to the Coliseum than make the trip into the Barclays Center. And then, obviously, when the new arena opens, everyone's going to want to go and see that. But if you're making the fans and players happy, like why do that? I mean, we saw the quote from J.G. Pajot. He basically was like, I hope I don't get lost on the way into to the, to the game. As someone traveling to NYC, I, I get it. And taking like subway system, the subway system for the first time, it's it's daunting. It's very daunting. It's not that it's hard. It's just it's stressful when you're trying to figure everything out. And oh man, I could I would be a bag of nerves on that that first day. Right, and I mean, like, no I'm wonder sure it was a minus five. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't know. Like he he gets on wherever. I'm assuming he lives on Long Island. Most of the guys do, and then. You probably have to transfer at Jamaica, and then it's like, okay, well, now what branch do I have to get on once I am at Jamaica and all that stuff? And it's his first time doing it. It's got to be nerve-wracking. Yeah, like, you take a subway system anywhere. London, uh, France. Like, it is stressful the first time, but after that first time, woo, super easy. Ridiculous. I knew I knew the subway system in Moscow at the back of my hand. I was there for two weeks. It was ridiculous. Uh, but it's that first time where you're going, I am lost, and I have no idea how to find myself. Uh, so th- this is obviously, like I said, a win, a win, a win for everyone. Uh, there's there's very little downside to this aside from obviously the financial thing, uh, which is a uh, how do I say it? like it's adding itself up all these financial not losses but expenses from the ownership, right? Like new arena, new practice arena, um, the loss that they're going to take from Nassau to Brooklyn, uh, or, or vice versa. Just paying a full wage bill, even though you're not filling gate receipts, like it's adding up. They're putting their money where their mouth is. Is what I'm trying to get to. Oh no, 100. percent You got to give a ton of credit to both Malkin and Ledecky here. They are, but they're investing in the team and they're investing in the future. Like there is no reason to complain about either of those two owners. There are. This is arguably the best-owned team in the city. I mean, the Steinbrenner family with the Yankees is obviously up there. That might be number one just because of the history there. But after that, there's no question that it's definitely Ledecky and Malkin, and you can make the case for putting them number one. They got the arena, practice facility, a Stanley Cup-winning general manager, a Stanley Cup-winning head coach, new arena, I mean, the organization seems to be in phenomenal hands, and the fact that they are saying, hey, this is better for us in the long term, we'll take the financial L for now and then reap the benefits in the years to come, is extremely smart. And not a lot of owners would do that. No, they will see the money back. They they will get them. Like, they bought the team for, what, $450 million? I believe so. Just opening the 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 Vegas Golden Knights, getting the expansion franchise for that was $600 million, or was it five hundred? I think Seattle was six and Vegas was five. That sounds about right. Either way, it was more just to get the expansion fee than it the cost them to buy the whole thing. Uh, they're they're going to get their money back in, in whatever they're investing. Not only because they're they're doing all of these things like the arena practice, blah 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 blah. Um, so th- this is a major win for the New York Islanders in terms of playing games at the Nassau Coliseum for forever and ever. Amen. Uh, minus those two games coming up this month. Yes, there's only only two more times you have to make the trip to Brooklyn. And then after that, never step in that place again for a hockey game. Thank you, Lord.
Yes, exactly. I didn't mind it, but I like I, I understood why. Obviously, when you get there and you, you see the sight lines and you see uh, the scoreboard off centered, you don't see any of the banners. Like you can feel it right away. Even as someone who's not spent nearly enough time as other people at the Nassau Coliseum, you felt it right away. Uh, but it was it was for a tourist or someone coming into town, like a non Nassau or even NYC um, fan. It, it was kind of nice in terms of uh, being able to get there. Mm-hmm. And finding a, a nice place that's close enough to the city, um, but I, I kind of prefer staying in Nassau anyways nowadays. Absolutely, you're basically a Long Islander now. Oh man, that you don't know how much that means to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm gonna go get that tattoo right now. Yeah, just strap it on you. I'm basically a Long Islander now. Perfect. Uh, are you ready for the quiz? Want to get into that? Yes. All right, let's do it. So it's the Felix Potvin edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode 133. Like we do every episode, Matt, I'm going to ask you three questions on Felix Potvin. Uh, no relation, of course. And uh, we'll see how well you do about uh, about your boy here. All right, let's do uh, it. I'm not going to ask you what position he plays because I assume you already know that. Yes. But I'll start off easy. What was his nickname? The Cat. Yes, Felix the Cat. Potvin. I don't know why they called him that. Maybe just because his name was Felix. Maybe no way. Okay, how many wins did he get with the Islanders? So we know he played 33 games for the Islanders. How many wins did he get? Bonus point if you get goals against average and save percentage. I'm going to say 12 wins is my guess. The save percentage, I'm going to say 898 and goals against average 306. Oof. Seven wins. Uh, he had a 721 and four record. A 335 goals against average and an 893 save percentage. So that was pretty close. I'm going to give you the point on the save percentage. Thank you. Uh, Okay, the last one. Who did we trade away to get Potvay? So Uh, we traded someone, and in return we got Potvay. There there are two other pieces. There is a six-round pick going to that team, and we got a six-round pick back. So I'm negating that as a common denominator. We gave up someone to that other team that Felix Potvay Potvang came from. Who was that player? It's killing you, me because I know. Do you want me to give you the team? Okay. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was a defenseman. McCabe? Berard. Oh. Brian Berard. We sent okay. to the Toronto Maple Leafs along with a six-round pick for Felix Potvang and a six-round pick that we got back. Okay. All right. I'll so take good the job. On that one. That's two out of three right, with the bonus points. So good job by you. Thank you. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> no, that wasn't so bad. And we all got to reminisce about how terrible Felix Padme was for the Islanders after we sent our Calder winning defenseman to the Maple Leafs. Although, to be fair, Brian Burrard was never the same after he left the Islanders. Also true. And I think it's fair to mention that we also went down memory lane with our first awful GM. <laughs> Yes. What a what a treasure he was. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. What's going on? Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson here talking New York Islanders hockey on the Eyes on Isles podcast. We're going to get into the social segment and what's trending. Mitch, what do you got for us? Uh, the first thing I, I'm taking uh, from Jordan Santa Lucia, who isn't necessarily an Islanders fan, but he tweeted out, thank you and congratulations to Thomas Vanek on an awesome career. And the hashtag Isles there, uh, just because Thomas Vanek, uh, you know, put up his skates and, and called it quits on professional hockey. And uh, even though he didn't leave the Islanders in the best fashion, he was great when he was here. Yes, he was a very good Islander for a very short time. <laughs> <laughs> How many games did he play again? I was I like 40-something like, maybe. I, I think it was less than 40. Really? Okay, I know they got him in October, right? Like the end of October, and he left in like December or January, something of the sorts? No, he got moved to the deadline. Okay. Maybe 40 uh, is right. He played 47 games for the Islanders. Okay, it was more than I originally remembered. Okay. Scoring 17 goals and 44 points. Wow. Yeah. What could have been, right? If only. Um, yeah. My first one is going to be from Johnny Boychuk. So 
In last night's game, he took a skate blade to the face, and it was real tough to watch. And he went down hard and then skated off immediately holding his face, so you knew it was bad. Uh, And he tweeted, Thank you to everyone for the positive messages and thoughts. I am extremely grateful. Please know they did not go unheard. Luckily for me, the skate only cut my eyelid. Sorry for the late response. Facial recognition wasn't working. Thank you again, my friends. Johnny B. I just love the self-awareness and being able to find the humor in a very, very tough situation. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, that's – imagine cutting your eyelid. Your eyelid. Oh, oh no took, wonder he ran out there panicked. Oh, my God, I'd do the same thing. I'd probably vomit right there on the ice. Did you see how many stitches it took? 90 stitches. 90. Nine zero. That's insane. So Lou said in, in, in the interview saying, uh, like, I don't want to over-dramatize things, but there are very little stitches because they, they have to be, like, it's, it's more precise work when it comes to the eye, I suppose, which makes sense, right? You don't want to be, like, just hucking through, like, the bread <laughs> around the eyeball. We're going to do two stitches, back and <laughs> forward and back. Slap on some polyspore and you'll be all right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, but, on that note, I just wanted to shout out Reagan King for saying uh, Johnny Boychuk showing up to practice, and it's a picture of Scar from The Lion King. Love it. That's a good one. That's, that's really good. That's pretty good. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a pretty awesome scar. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't take long to heal, but I imagine it will. Like, imagine 90 stitches. Yes, there's still small stitches, but, like, that's got to be quite a gash going there. Like, the way the skate hit his face, it just it hit and then ran up along the side of his face. Oh, thank God he closed his eye on impact, because otherwise, I think that's going right in the eye. Yeah, I... It was <sighs> scary to watch. It was... <sighs> I couldn't watch the replay. I keep watching the replays. Let's give me heebie-jeebies talking about right now. Let's go on to something else here. Uh, this one got? is from Shannon Hogan. I think you know who that person is. Uh, today was highlighted uh, a highlight in my career at MSG Networks. So proud of my friend Butch. I'm thrilled to see number 91 in the rafters. Had some great laughs today with AJ Malesko wearing Butch's helmet. So there's a picture of her, uh, her being Shannon, and Butchie, and then AJ there with Butchie's Jofa bucket, or what looks to be like just essentially just a bowl, but it, it is the, 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 the Jofa bucket, I, I presume, and it's ridiculous. I can't oh believe someone wear that, wore that to protect their head. Yeah, could you imagine like going out there and be like, all right, this is the only thing standing between uh, me and the ice? <laughs> <laughs> or like elbows or sticks or pucks or anything. It it really just looks like a couple of pieces of leather strapped on top of your head. Literally. Oh, I can't I can't imagine. I could not imagine. Like those old football helmets helmets, right? Which aren't helmets at all, but just like again, thin pieces of leather just straped on top of your head. You'd be like, Hope you don't get a concussion. Thanks. Yeah, here's a piece of cow. <laughs> Go out there. <laughs> Give him hell. Yeah. Uh, I got one. Well, it's not really from anyone in particular, but the uh, renderings of Belmont Park Arena continued to leak, and people were putting that out. Not anyone in particular, but uh, it looks beautiful. I don't know if you saw these, Mitch. You could find them on Twitter. Just type in hashtag Isles and uh, a Belmont Park Arena account. I don't know if it's yeah, it's the unofficial status updates on the new home of the New York Islanders. They tweet, enjoy some new renderings of our future home. The lobby looks beautiful. It looks like the Belmont Park racetrack. It does, right? Like, it really looks grand. Uh, it, it's it's really spectacular. And the, the, the bars along the concourse, I guess, like, facing the arena, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, it just looks so beautifully done. It almost, like... The uh, grand was a good word because the first image, which is the the entrance, I guess, or the lobby, it reminds me of like a train station, like Grand Central Station almost. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. It very just, I, I don't know, arches and just just spatial. Like there's a lot of space there. It just really looks grand, uh, and that's gonna be awe inspiring when you, when you walk in there as a fan. It's just whew, taken aback by the grandness of it all. I can't wait for this arena to open, and I just I love any update we can get on this. I'm all over it. Yeah, it's I can't I can't wait, man. <laughs> I can't wait for this place to open. Uh, it's soon, right? One more season, one more season of waiting, assuming everything goes to plan. Absolutely. But anything else from you, Mitch? I have one more. It's not Islanders related, 
Okay. Uh, I, I like at all. It is Ottawa Senators related because there's some more drama going on with the Ottawa Senators that I, I just I had to get to because it's the talk of the town. Yeah, let's not it. so much here specifically, but in the NHL. So the Ottawa Senators hired a CEO. Uh, they hired a guy who worked for one of the biggest banks here. Uh, had worked uh, uh, previous other jobs in uh, Bell Communications. Is kind of like um, one of our biggest telecommunicators here. Uh, Anyways, I hired him, and he got hired like a month ago, and they fired him recently. Just today, we heard that he got fired, and they said it was because, oh, I want to get the words right, but I thought they'd have it on, the, on their actual website, and they don't. But it inter- essentially meant like he didn't meet the core values of the Ottawa Senators. And he, he this is Jim Little, was his name, tweeted out, or not, not tweeted out, but sent out a note saying, I was looking forward to helping the team in the city and the Ottawa Senators. I wish the employees, the players, and coaches well. They all deserve our support. The statement made today by the team contains some language that deserves some clarification. On Valentine's Day, February 14th, we are now March 4th, the owner and I had a personal disagreement over the approach that I had been, uh, I had been, sorry, I had been pursuing. I'm a strong-willed person, and the disagreement included me using some very strong language with him over the phone, including swearing, which he did not appreciate and for which I later apologized. It was these events, to my knowledge, which led to my dismissal. Any other inference from that statement is wrong. So he's saying, like, whatever the team is telling you about me not meaning core values, being like, uh, if you want to think the worst of me, that is incorrect. All I did is I swore at Eugene Melick, and he didn't like it. Yeah, it, they made it seem so much worse than what really happened. Right, the second that statement came out, all I thought was like Jim Montgomery, this guy's going to go in like some sort of substance abuse program, and that's great. Uh, or, or we're thinking like Mike Babcock situation where he's kicking people or being physically abusive. No, no, he just say, he used a cuss word at, at Eugene Melnick, which is something we've all done here in Ottawa and, and anywhere else in the world, uh, and he got fired for it. Ridiculous. Yeah, uh, certainly not not the best reason to fire someone. And then to go out and infer that they did something even worse is, I don't know, it's just a scummy move all around. Right, and there's two things. Again, like I mentioned, Valentine's Day, that was a month ago almost. And like he says at the end, to my knowledge, I don't think he actually knows why he got fired. No, he's probably assuming, well, I, I rose my voice and cursed at him one time. Yeah, I cursed at my boss. That's probably not a good thing. It, it usually you you get fired for that kind of thing. But like he apologized, and I, I again he got hired a month before this happened. You'd think they'd vet him and know like this guy's kind of runs hot. He's probably gonna you know use a few cuss words. Uh, apparently that had no bearing in their decision making process whatsoever. Just now they don't have a CEO to run things, so Eugene Melnick is now running the Senators again. Woof. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, that's not great. No. So, good job, Ottawa Senators. The tire fire continues. How happy do you think Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is right now? Yeah, well, he's in a really nice organization for the next six and a half years. Exactly. With owners that know what they're doing, aside from guys like Eugene Melnick, who have no idea what's what. Absolutely. So, before we get out of here, let's just get a couple of plugs in. So, wherever you are listening to this show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Also, you can follow along with us on social media, at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary and why Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, or download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android. And of course, if you would like to join us for the post-game shows, the mailbag, newsletter, and all other fun stuff we do over on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Five bucks a month gets you all that and so much more. Mitch, episode 133 in the books. Hopefully next week goes a little bit better and we're a little bit more positive. That'd be nice. That would be real nice if we could be positive for once. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.